I think if you're a true auteur or a true visionary, mm -hmm. you know how to communicate your vision so well that you'll get something better than you ever thought of. But it's but that becomes from that comes from the the way that you guided the project. You know, it's like Kanye, like, like earlier Kanye stuff, like his his curation of collaborators was sometimes as important and vital to his work as you know his own ideas and sometimes that's really what shows uh, a great visionary artist yes yes I wholeheartedly agree because there's the image of like my brain was just like like the Anne Rand I did this all myself um <laughs> I mean that is very Anne Rand <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> yeah um, it's very Randian though it's very libertarian it's a very libertarian mindset like you know, the, the, the golden God who, you know, can, can fix the world and do it all on his own. He's got everything on his back, you know, like, yes. um, it's, it's lonely and it's inaccurate and, um, it's not like it's humanity is a collective experience. And so to isolate yourself to the point where you're not participating in the collective by collaborating, I think that is a shame to just like the growth of the collective. Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions shape our identity and our lives. I'm your host, Pam Schaefer, and our producer is Laura Studeris. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can head over to our Patreon to support us directly and get transcripts of all of our episodes, or you can come hang out with us on your favorite social media platforms, where we can be found under WNB the podcast. For this week's episode, we spent some time with the inimitable, absolutely magical Zola Jesus. I hope that you enjoy our chat. Well, I turned on the recording and, the, and my computer didn't restart. So that's a fantastic omen. Welcome to Why Not Both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the podcast where occasionally um, our computers work. <laughs> So now that we've gotten the fun and excitement of troubleshooting Zoom out of the way, like, uh, how are you? <laughs> like, just in general. Oh, I'm good. Yeah. I forgot this was an interview. I thought we were just hanging. I was like, oh, hey, how are you, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, why did you call? Oh, okay. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I'm good. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I it's funny I used to start the pod and like I don't even have like official interview questions because that's what a normal interviewer would do but I kind of accidentally jumped myself into doing a podcast prior to like the pandemic and everything and then people actually liked it so I kept going and you'd think I would have formulated interview questions by now but like you, you'd be wrong um <laughs> like, <laughs> it's better to just see where it can go you know it's more fun that way exactly exactly like it was funny that you were like, oh, like I thought we were just chatting. I was like, oh no, that's literally the conceit of the podcast. It's just like <laughs> great. <laughs> <laughs> then we're already off to a good start. So that's, that's perfect. Exactly. Exactly. 
It's funny. I remember I used to start asking people like, what was a better question than asking what do you do or like, how are you? Because those are usually what people open with. And I find myself even still like returning to those social scripts, even though I feel like they don't make any sense anymore. Yeah. What do you do? Well, I mean, we're all just surviving. So it's kind of a, it's an insulting question to ask most people these days. What do you do? I don't know. I'm barely hanging on. <laughs> I was going to say like, we are, we are hanging on by a thread here. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're doing. <laughs> oh, there's that gift from, uh, oh, the show with Alana and Abby that I'm blanking on the name of. Broad like, City. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> how am I doing? <laughs> yeah. yeah. How am I doing? <laughs> yes. I did. I did get to watch your music video last night that you just released though. And it made me so happy that you musically went so many different places with it, even though everyone's like, it's a pop song. And I was like, I love that. That's what you did with pop. It made me <laughs> exuberant and delighted. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I wanted to try. Also, the video was like my version of a pop video, like a 90s pop video. It was fun to try to figure out how to fit myself into this very unlikely format that I don't necessarily belong in, but like to play with. I loved it. Like the symbols, at least that I saw in it, there's like the mirrors and the masks and the diaphanous clothing. And I was like, which... (laughs) which videos were you like specifically thinking of or was it just kind of like the vibe of the 90s um well I definitely was into like the I've been watching on my like whatever tv package I have like it comes with mtv classic which is a classic mtv experience where they just play music videos but it's mostly from like the trl days which you know I love I grew up with trl so, you know, I was watching a lot of Backstreet Boys, Christina, Britney, like all the greats. And I just love like, you know, the choreographed dances and everything's very reflective and symbolic in some ways. And like, um, so yeah, but definitely like that, the, the 90s pop stuff. I love that. That that might explain why it like resonated so much with me, aside from the fact that you're wonderful. Like that was definitely like my... <laughs> My intake of art at a very pivotal yeah, point yeah. in my life. <laughs> Serious people in diaphanous clothing doing interpretive dance is seared into my psyche. <laughs> What's, I guess it's interesting thinking about like, even like filming things like that and embodying things like that. What? I guess what sprung to mind just now is like, what was it like embodying that after we've had a period of being like, not seen oh that's a very good question because I was so uncomfortable and I had also just come so like um not only the pandemic where I've been in the woods for two years like totally a total goblin style like mirrors I don't know them like I don't know what I look like anymore I don't know anything about anything you know um and then on top of it I like was right before filming that video I was in like a palliative care role caregiving um a relative oh my god as, uh, in the late stages of their life and um so my entire world was prioritizing the care of this other giving care of this other person to the point where like I just felt like completely disembodied completely deep like like depersonalized in a way like I I just 
was so not used to conceiving of myself or of as being like perceived you know what I mean or being seen in that way that like I went from there and flew directly to shoot the video and it was like extremely hard for me to switch gears because I was so not I'm not used to being observed anymore or like seen or or the center of attention so then I think like that like there's a little bit of awkwardness in the video that's very hard for anyone to see I think but like I I see it because I was like whoa I'm not used to this anymore and you know it's like what is this strange world that I've been thrusted back into after years of playing a completely different role you know it was it was a trip yeah wow that is, I mean, what a gift, by the way, to give caregiving like that, because that is extremely intense. Like, I think that people who haven't been through that or don't know someone who's been through that, like giving palliative care to someone is like, one, I was like, what a wonderful thing to do for someone. But also, like, you're essentially kind of abdicating your own self in a way, temporarily. Totally. Because um, it's a full-time thing. And, and you know, there's no time for oneself in such you know, especially in those last weeks when it's so ephemeral and you're just caught up in this moment of just trying to provide this person as much comfort and care as humanly possible as they, you know, pass on to the next stage of life or whatever. And so it was very weird then to jump on a plane and get in front of a camera and have to be kind of like, I don't want to say vain, but just have to be aware of myself from like a very like aesthetic point of view that, that I was just so not used to. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like, in a way it's, it's interesting to contrast with like sharing an artistic expression because both are valuable, but one you have to almost like what came to mind, I was just like, it's not like channel self-importance necessarily, but it's like, you have to summon something that you're going to share with someone else. And if you're like sharing of your interpersonal space with someone else in like the palliative care way, that's very different than summoning the part of yourself that's like, yes, I'm going to channel all these artistic messages that are going to reach other people like it's intended for an audience. But it's like you have to summon so much of yourself to then share with others that that's a very, very, very sharp contrast. Yeah, very. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's intense, but both, you know, I I love to live in extremes. And so whatever, whatever it (laughs) gets thrown at me I'm like okay well this, it's interesting to go from one extreme to the other in that sort of like experience but uh yeah yeah very intense times wow wow and yet especially like you said about like I deeply relate to like the goblin in the woods that the the only time I've really perceived myself that much during this has been on zoom and that's like watching myself watch myself like it's a very oh I can't yeah yeah I I don't I don't love it um the weirdly it's so unnatural and you know like there's something about also like for instance I don't know spoiler alert there's no video for people listening to this (laughs) we're not zooming with cameras on and that's that's mostly because my internet is horrible in the woods but also because like if I'm recording something that's going to be audio then like watching someone talk and having to read their cues and respond with visual visual cues totally negates the power of like the the verbal message but then also I feel like 
Zoom and all these like and, and FaceTiming and all this is so deranged because you're having to watch yourself talk to somebody, which yes. you never, ever do in real life. I'm never standing in front of a mirror as I'm having a conversation with somebody like it's totally deranged. And like, I, I don't accept it because the entire time I'm looking at myself talking to someone and like overanalyzing how I'm like responding through body language and stuff. And yes. It's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. It needs to stop. Then we need to turn the cameras off. That I, I 110% agree. And it's really funny because like, I, I ask people before I interview them, like if they want to be on camera. And I always say like, if you do not want to be on camera, that is like 110% fine because I basically followed my own sword for this because I hate self-monitoring myself like on camera in that way, because no one would ever do that. No one would ever be speaking to someone else while staring at themselves in a mirror. Um, and so it's like, I, you know, if someone wants to be on camera, I will, because then it's like, people like to, it's fascinating to me that people like to watch people's conversations, but it used to be that they were filmed, for instance, on a camera that we weren't looking at, which like, exactly, sometimes, yeah. you know, you can magically think your way into forgetting the cameras there, but like, mm-hmm. if it's right in front of you, you can't. And so you find yourself like, I always, I I, I don't know if you find this, but like, if I'm watching myself on FaceTime or on zoom, I like, I almost express too much. Like I, I find myself wanting to like, make sure that my facial expression is congruous with what I'm saying, but then I end up like accidentally like over facial expressing. And then I'm like, oh my God, is my face really that loud? So then I'm like, no, Pam, like express less with your face. And then I'm just like, now I just look alarmed. <laughs> It's, and this is, you know how much energy that takes, like doing an audio interview, you know, just so I can just, you know, we're just talking through words. It's all good. We don't need to deal with all the visual stuff. But like when you enter this whole arena of like, now you're watching yourself talk, like there's so much energy that's being expended that is not actually being communicated through like what's actually going to be shown later, which is like, you know, in this case, the podcast, but I'm just like, damn, it's not worth it. It's not worth it to me. I got too much to do. I'm too tired. I can't be wasting energy looking at myself and admonishing my, you know, my features and the way that I'm like responding to people. Yeah. It is like, it is absolutely the weirdest. And I'm like, I'm like other spoiler alert, like when I'm not like podcasting and musicing, like I, I work as a therapist and now I have like a group practice because thanks to the pandemic, like no one's doing so hot. Ha, ha, ha. Um, <laughs> Business is booming. Yeah, like, it's one of those things where I feel really weird about it that people are like, so how's it been the last few years? And I'm like, extraordinarily busy. And like, I feel bad being like, my business has gone well, but my business is literally helping people. So I'm like, well, that's a, a good thing. Uh, but like, ah, it's like this, it's this horrible capitalist Gordian knot. Um, but like, I figured out on zoom how to basically make my face as small as possible so that I can actually focus on my clients. Um, because I don't want to be watching myself be a therapist. Like that's yeah weird. And so like it's macabre. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so strange. And so like, I always appreciate Like I like the only thing I like about zoom for clients is that then it does take more energy for me, but like I can observe people's, um, body language and facial expressions and things like that, that normally I would just take in ambiently in the room anyway, but it's like, you know, then it takes like more attention to watch it on the screen 
but I personally, I love it when people are like, Hey, I want to do phone or like, Oh, I don't really feel like having my camera on today. I'm always like, Oh, thank God. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Right. I mean, I'm in bed right now. Let's just be real. I'm in bed. Yes. I'm You don't need to see that. Okay. Like I'm fine. I'm comfy. I'm cozy. I'm ready to talk, but like, just give me, just give me something. God damn it. That's like where we're at. Like, that's literally like my clients are like that. I, I do. Um, I put on, um, I am wearing a nap dress, so I'm like bed adjacent. Um, but I put on before interviews and before therapy sessions, I always put on a necklace as weird as that sounds. It's like, I know that you're getting dressed. Yes. (laughs) I'm wearing a necklace. (laughs) I'm like, all right, we are professional. Are we wearing a bra? Questionable. Are we eating snacks? (laughs) Definitely. But are we wearing a necklace? (laughs) I love it. She's dressed. She's ready to go. She's fine. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm all for it. I, you know, we've been trying too hard for the past couple decades and I'm, it's just, we're done. It's good. It doesn't pay off. I'm I'm tired. (laughs) I am, I am very pro having conversations like from bed, from the couch, like, it's where I do my best work, honestly. Like if I could do everything from bed, from couch, it's it's really when I'm in my it's, I'm in my flow state, you know. <laughs> I'm, That's, I'm oh my god. My my partner has set up a whole mixing setup on his couch because he realized that for the most part when he was mixing, he'd be lying on the couch in his old studio and like listening to things that way. So he set it up in his home and he has like ergonomic pillows now, like for like under his like vibe. I'm like, this is adorable and nerdy. Um it's so the way to go. It's he figured it out. Like he's like, where are people gonna be listening to music? They're gonna be like most of the stuff he's mixing, he's like, they're going to be like watching it, you know, it's synced to like, he's doing TV mixes, like things like that. He's like, they're going to be on their couch. He's like, I want it to yeah. feel like this. So he's like mimicking the feeling. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's genius. Why have, yeah. why have you been sitting up making music this whole time? We should be like, <laughs> I know we don't need to be, you know, we're punished so hard for being alive right now. Like we don't need to keep punishing ourselves. Like take a, take a win. Just, just, you know, just get in yep. bed. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I've got a, my spots, my fainting couch. I need to get it recovered though, because my son, oh, I love those trying it, but my fainting couch is, is my fave and, and clearly my sometimes cats as well. <laughs> my neighbors kind of so adopted me. So we have joint custody, hence the sometimes. <laughs> Aww, that's, a, that's a good idea. She's great. I, I don't know if you've experienced that of a cat just like just claiming you as your own, as, as their own, really. Like you can't claim them, but they claim you. Yeah. I mean, I basically have my cat is for, for the first couple of years was a roommate. You know, I consider him a roommate. You know, he comes and goes as he plays, he does what he needs to do. But I feel like, yeah, within the past year or so, I, I do feel like he's chosen me um, when no one else is around to 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 be you know to bump me from the priority I'm I love that he's like you'll uh, do (laughs) yeah he's like yeah you're fine you're you'll do I guess you're you you can pet me I guess but yeah I love him (laughs) I love how I love how cats do that where it's like I'd never had a cat prior because I'm actually allergic to most cats 
Um, and my sometimes cat does not care. She's just like, oh, I see you're sneezy. That's fine. I'm just like, well, that's <laughs> yeah, like that's too, that's too bad for you. Okay, anyway. <laughs> oh, God. What's it like? I guess, like, you know, it sounds like I'm like, okay, you've got a cat, you've got the woods. What's it been like, like creating in those circumstances? Because, like you said, I'm like, we all deserve some bedtime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, creating in the woods has been great because. I start to forget when I'm here long enough, I start to forget that like that the outside world exists, which I like because then I can really just feel free. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's actually quite inspiring that the longer I'm here, the more I feel like um, I don't belong to society anymore. And so I can end up like building the worlds in my head more easily. Um, Cause when I'm like in cities and stuff, I just feel so overwhelmed with culture, mm-hmm. like the, the, the hegemonic culture that like, I feel like I can't hear my own creative vision because it's like co- being, it's like competing with everything else going on. So yeah, being, being in isolation or being in the woods is, is super helpful for me. That sounds, oh my God. I was talking with my best friend yesterday about like how to run away to the woods essentially Um, (laughs) (laughs) she she was saying that like the the time that she spent like she lived in Topanga for a while um and the time that she spent there like we're contrasting that with like what's going on currently like and she doesn't like live in the middle of the city but it's you know it's the difference of like being being isolated and being able to expand creatively because it's quiet and you don't have those other, like you said, like the hegemonic culture and the voices from around you, or even the energies around you, that then you're able to tune into your own, but also being able to do that in a sustainable way. Cause we were talking about like how to do that, where it's like, say you're isolated in the woods, but you also are doing something else to sustain yourself because otherwise you can't be in the woods. And then you're trapped yet again in like the Gordian knot of capitalism where it's like, Mm. how do you, how do you do that? And I was like, oh my God, that sounds exactly like what we both were saying we were aiming for is like how to be in a place where you can, it's quiet enough that you can hear yourself, like, you know, physically, but also energetically but also how do you then make that sustainable? And we are like, mm-hmm. where do we go? Where, which woods? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think it's the future. Um, I mean, I think it's the past, but I think it's also the future because, um, well, with the internet, you can really be anywhere. And so we saw that with the pandemic, people like leaving cities in droves and, you know, going to exotic places or going into the woods and, you know, being able to work just fine. Um, it just depends on like how much you need the city in order to thrive in order to survive doing what you do for me. Like I don't really need to go to, I don't, I don't need to be there necessarily. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I prioritize what like I need as an artist, like what the muse needs in order to feel healthy and not what anything else is. And so I guess in some ways I had to deprioritize um playing the capital the games of capitalism because um oh my, can you hear that I, my dog's barking I, I love that your dog's like I have opinions <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, FedEx just came and she's trying to protect 
the house from the, <laughs> the evil delivery man who's going to just drop off something that I requested to come. <laughs> she's like, I'm job. <laughs> I know she's going to expect a treat after this. Like I did it. I did it. I protected they left. The <laughs> yeah. They're gone now. Don't worry. They're gone. <laughs> I've scared oh, gosh. evil men. There's only treats now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God bless her. She is. She. Who needs an Amazon ring when you got a German shepherd? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> I love German shepherds so much. They're so sweet and so high strung. It's amazing. She, oh man, she takes me on a ride every day. It's never enough. It's never enough for her. For her, it's throwing, throwing rocks in the woods for her for 16 hours a day would not be enough. Yep. Um, Yep. But, but she's, she's also such number one, she's such a narc, you know, she's really, and she's really a stickler about the schedule. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm usually very flowy in my schedule, my daily rhythm, but she's not. And so she puts me on her schedule. So um, I really learned how to, how to acquiesce Aww. and I respect it. I respect the hell out of her. So well, know, and she, she sounds like it's funny. I grew up with a Doberman. Um, and, oh, I love those too. Oh, they're so good. Um, my dog princess, it, my parents asked me when I was two, what to name the dog. And so of course I said princess. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> and same thing where it's like, she had it's interesting thinking about like the expectations of animals and even like your cat versus your dog that like, like I found at least with her, like dogs have expectations. And it's like, if you don't meet that expectation, they're like, why is the thing that's supposed to happen? Not happening. It's so so extreme. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe there are dogs that don't have this temperament, but yeah, it's like, yeah. Like if you didn't like take her for walks at the time she was used to going on walks and like, you know, feed her at the time that she was used to being fed, like things like that. Like she would just like come and find you and just be confused. Like she would just be sitting there, like looking at you, like qua. <laughs> that, that is literally what Nadia does. Like she'll have a bowl full of food. She's not eating her food, but then like, you know, she still is expecting that next scoop of food, whatever the next time dinner, when dinner time comes. And if I don't give it to her, Cause she has a full bowl of food, but if I don't give her that last scoop, she will not come upstairs. She will yep. protest, stop <laughs> protest. She will wait. She will, she will put up a fight until she gets that scoop of food, but she will, she will also not eat. She will not right. eat the food. Right. She doesn't like it. <laughs> Killing me woman. Killing me. <laughs> oh my god i'm i'm so glad that nadia has has the same temperament that princess you had to put a little bit of water in her kibble to make it the right texture otherwise like she'd be like this kibble is too crunchy like she would just sit there and be like why is this happening it's fair you know like i get it like i wouldn't want to be eating dry ass kibble every day anyway so but you know <laughs> give me a break <laughs> You're a dog. (laughs) I'm like you. You have consumed weird things, way weirder things than kibble. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Seriously. (laughs) Seriously. Oh my God. No, like thinking about what you said about, you know, that we can we can be anywhere we want, but it also speaks to like you said, like the priorities that you have. And like 
It's interesting thinking about the priorities of a city versus the priorities not of a city. And it made me wonder, I was like, did you grow up like in a city or not in a city? Like, I guess kind of what informs some of that. I, I say this as someone who like was born and raised in LA. And so for me, it's like, it's it's a fascinating mental exercise to be like, what, how what's life not in city? Question <laughs> mark. Yeah, well, I, I grew up, I grew up on the same land where I live now. So I grew up in on like 150 acres of woods in the middle of Wisconsin, like three hours from a, a city. Um, and it so it was extremely isolating and I hated it. I was so excited to leave that I graduated when I was 16. And lo and behold, I came back with jokes on me. But um, but I think it's because like I, I I'm just drawn to to being surrounded by trees, needing a lot of space, feeling like for me, the woods are like a buffer and I don't feel afraid of nature, but I feel afraid of people. Like, and so I think some people will go to the woods and be scared because they're very alone and they feel like, oh, something could happen where I'm like, oh, I'm away from the things that could hurt me. Like, you know, I feel very scared of people and because they're, they're, they have potential kind of to, to do great harm, but, um, but the woods is, it's, it's pretty benign, you know, it's, it's in some ways it's unforgiving, but everything's like, I I just know what to expect, you know? And and so it makes me feel safe and kind of neutralized. That's a fascinating way to put it because I wonder also when I think about going to the woods and I don't know if other people feel this way, I almost fear my own, uh, like either what's inside of me or I don't know how to put it other than my own incompetence. Um, like that I would fail to do something correctly and result. Right. Yeah. Um, but that might be because like, I've never lived in an isolated place like that. And so it's like, I'm like, yep, my computer just restarted itself twice before even trying to start an interview. So I'm just like, (laughs) yeah, I don't know why people trust me with anything. Um, why (laughs) why would I trust myself with this? (laughs) and yeah yeah go on (laughs) no yeah I mean I I totally get that and I guess I'm just used to it because I grew up this way so I'm just I know what to expect you know in terms of like that in um in cities I'm just because I'm not I'm I'm used to being like not surrounded by people that when I'm surrounded by people I feel like I just pick up all their thoughts and fears and and that energy just kind of like is suffocates me and overwhelms me Mm -hmm. um and so there's different things right like I feel like whether you grew up in the city or the country wherever you feel more comfortable it's it's more just what you're used to and what you feel like you can navigate kind of um so yeah it comes easy for me that's interesting that you're like oh the isolation and now you're like ah the isolation yeah well I know it (laughs) when when the pandemic happened it made me realize how much I need people but, uh, you know, a hermit needs to be called out of her hermit hole in order to share her wisdom. And so a part of I think I need to be out in a part of the world as much as I need to be away from it. And so, um, again, balance, balance between the extremes is always the key. The two. That's funny you say that the two cards that I always keep on my altar and that I'm doing some art around are the hermit and the star, because I feel like they're. very. Oh, I love those. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's 
I love that you drew that like that pair of extremes because I, I feel that in myself as well that it's like I I I need the hermitude and then it's like and now I've come to shine whoop there I went okay and we're hermiting again <laughs> we're back yeah yeah my rewards for being for going out into the world and doing things and sharing sharing things my reward is always just be able to go back into my little hermitage and not see anyone <laughs> and be in my own space again definitely need both um yeah yeah it's interesting and that's especially like in regards to creation i i feel that i am probably more similar to you in that way where i find it interesting when you know i've talked to artists who are like i love being around other artists and around community in that way and that that's like what inspires them and then there's artists that are like i need to kind of like actually go to a quiet place energetically and physically and, and tune into myself. And that's what inspires them. And I'm like, that's so interesting. Cause everyone talks about, Oh, well, how do you be creative? And I'm like, I don't think that there's like a, a one ring to rule them all there. Definitely not. And I think, you know, there's also extroverts and introverts. Like I'm very introverted and a lot of my inspiration comes from uh, like my inner life and, and, and stuff like that. Whereas I think maybe people that are more extroverted get inspired by their community, their, their friends and, and that, that sort of collaboration, things like that, where that's kind of harder for me. Um, but yeah, I know it, it, it's interesting when you realize that people create for every person that creates creates for a different reason that's unique to them, which is why you can't try to force yourself to create in a way that works for someone else. Cause that doesn't mean that that's what works for you and what you're meant to give, you know? Right. Right. Like <laughs> I was thinking of, you know, even in the journey of this podcast, like talking to people about their creative process, but also like all the other things that inform that. Cause that was the original conceit was I was like, oh, well, you know, I, I'm a musician and I'm also a therapist and it's like, so I'm in these two worlds. I'm curious if there are people who are in multiple worlds and how that kind of like informs their sense of self. And what I discovered was like, everyone's in multiple worlds. Um, so it was a really short-sighted thing that I was like, I wonder if people do more than one thing. Yes, Pam, they do. Um, and <laughs> just that there's no like one formula for it. And I love the way you phrase that, that it's like, everybody has their own process, but everyone also has their own impetus to do it. Like there's no, mm -hmm. there's no one thing. I heard something fascinating recently. One of my friends said, you know, they were like, try and see what it is that you can't walk away from. Cause if you can walk away from something, it probably isn't that important to you. And you should dedicate your energy to the things that you feel like you absolutely like can't walk away from. I was like, what mm -hmm. an interesting litmus test. It's true. It's very true. And it'll reveal a lot about one's intentions or one's like true passion yeah like because even when you said like there are things that you had to deprioritize like I was like oh I was curious like what did you like what did you have to let go of in order to do that because that is like a, a purposeful choice to be like all right Baba Yaga in the woods let's go <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah well I think I tried to um when I was living in the cities, like I lived in LA for a while in Seattle and I really tried to go out and be like more extroverted and like go to parties and meet people and like do things and like go to shows. And, um, 
but it was really unfulfilling for me. And I felt extremely awkward and uncomfortable just going out because I'm just not, I'm not like a social person in that way. Um, I'm actually, I, pro- I feel like I'm actively antisocial. Like I, I resist socializing, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is, you know, fine. It takes all kinds, but um but I felt like that's what I needed to do in order for like people to know who I was or to make friends or connections. Like networking is like a huge deal in the cities and a lot of people get a lot of connections by just going out and, you know, doing Coke at weird parties at 3am in like New York or whatever. But like, (laughs) I just can't do that because that's just not who I am. And so I guess I, when I moved to the country, I just made this, I just made a choice in some ways to be like, okay, I'm not going to try to push myself to immerse myself in um, like a social world that I don't feel like I belong to. And that doesn't give me anything. And it it actively exhausts me. Um, And I, but I feel like I had to basically trade you know, maybe a bit of exposure opportunities, a lot. I've lost a lot of opportunities because I wasn't in LA or New York when I got offers to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I had offers to, uh, like lay down vocals for movie scores and things like that, but they wanted me like in LA or in New York yeah, and I just wasn't yeah. there. So, um, but I really had to prioritize what I needed for myself, for my mental health, for my spiritual health, um, and to have a more sustainable career for myself. Right. And that meant letting go of like this whole other aspect of being a musician or like a culture actor, um, that like just didn't feel like it was working for me anyway. Since we're not on camera, you can't see that I was just nodding vigorously. So I'm putting it in little like bracket text, like not vigorously. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It can be hard. It can be hard when you feel like, okay, well, this is what you're supposed to do. Like, this is what everyone else is doing. Or like people say, this will really help your career if you do this or go to this party or meet with these people. And it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't bring anything good out of me. So I'm just like, eh, you know what? I can have an amazing career just following my own, my own gut and trusting in the creative process and trusting that what I make will speak for itself and that I don't need to like enmesh myself into society in order for that to happen. Yes. And then, then, in, then it's your path essentially. Like, yes, yeah, you could do all those things, but would that be your path? It sounds like you just let go of stuff that like, wasn't yours. Totally. And I think that's why I just feel so much better than I did when I was doing that. And I felt like I wasn't able to be authentic because I was always feeling like I was performing. I always feel like I'm performing in social situations. Like it's exhausting because I just don't, you know, I don't know, introversion again, Um, social anxiety. But yeah. Feel you on this, Uh, neurodivergent introverts. I'm like, yes, hi, hello. Yeah, exactly. yeah, but it's great. It's great to be to be in a space where I feel like I can be liberated from all the things that I thought I had to be and to be able to just like embrace who I actually am and to be able to offer that authentically to the world without feeling like I need to be anything else. It's cool. I love that. <laughs> I was like, 
I was like, uh, yes, more of that, more of that. And I like how you said it's the future and it's the past. I was just like, yes, yes. (laughs) Like, I I feel like, especially when you said like the hegemonic kind of cultural aspects of being in a place, like, I don't know if you felt this way when you were in LA or in Seattle, but it's like, I feel like they're almost like, like micro movements of music. Um, and I've never really been like in one of them. I've observed a lot of them. And I feel like in some ways I get a free pass because I didn't come here like to be something. I just was born here. Um, mm-hmm. And so in some ways I, I don't have some of the drive of people who have come here or the, or like the motivation for being in LA for that reason. It's more like, yeah, it's, it's where it happened. Um, and yeah, like, yeah. I did choose to come back after college because like I, I do actively like the city and I wanted to like explore what it meant to be here as like not a child essentially like to be like oh what would it be like if I was here on purpose um Mm -hmm. but I've had it easy because like I knew everything here and I knew people here and my family's here and all this stuff so there's all these things I never had to prove but like it's interesting seeing like these little bubbles of of almost like there'll be like five bands that like all sound the same that are all playing the same venues that like everyone goes to but for like six months to a year and then like another group like of like the same sounding people that are like looking the same and, and sounding the same and it's not that they sound bad but it's just like yeah. these weird little bubbles of sameness and it's like it'd be really hard to tune into like what your thing is if you don't fit into one of those bubbles yeah especially when like trend setting mostly happens in like New York and LA and stuff but like trends are a collective thing and so it's something that like becomes a connector between like a community of people and so yeah these micro movements it's like everyone's sort of dressing the same everyone sort of like has the same ideology and you know and then it ends up everything feels really limited then like living in northern north central wisconsin it's like the most uh just culturally bankrupt place i could live i'm sorry sorry i'm so sorry to wisconsin I hope <laughs> so sorry i'm so sorry to say that but it is true like you know but that's what i like about it it's not pretentious it's not trying it's not it's not you know and i, I love self-expression and all that but like when things feel like like there's an there's an aspect of trend trendiness that like makes me really uncomfortable because it doesn't feel authentic like and it feels like oh yeah then the next micro movement comes and then those people change costumes into something else and I'm just kind of like I just don't feel comfortable around that sort of like constantly shifting environment of identity because my identity is something that like I build over a long period of time of like self self-analysis and just I come to conclusions about things Um, But this seems to be constantly changing in a way where I'm like, what's going on? Like, what's real? Like, I don't know. I don't know. It can be kind of like, um, like as sort of like, um, it's very Hollywood, you know, it's like, there's a, there's a darkness to LA that I saw when I lived there that made me feel like I, I didn't, I didn't feel comfortable necessarily always in certain environments. but uh yeah it's very much a city built on mythologies and I didn't realize that until I went elsewhere um that I came from it's just built on storytelling and I was like wow that's not what everywhere oh my (laughs) (laughs) yeah 
was like, and you've got to have this like, and because the city is so big and there's so much potential, like, oh, any day now, you you know, any any of these cool people could get plucked from obscurity and like they can be the next big thing or whatever. In LA, you have a chance of doing that. In Wisconsin, no one's gonna pluck me from nowhere. Like, there's no <laughs> plucking happening. No, no, no worries here. Um, but it just makes people, I think, feel like they need to perform and self-mythologize that much more because they're like almost like playing the part of, of what they want. It's, it's so much more aspirational in that way yeah. that um, it can, it just, it just can get kind of like, uh, I don't know, disingenuous, I guess a little bit. <laughs> the art of the art of arting is what like came to mind, but I'm like, I don't know if that's very articulate at all, yeah. um, but I was, it's like, there's the art of living your life for sure. But then there's the art of channeling that into creating something that then you can share with other people. And of course you can do that in like your everyday presentation, but it's like, eh, why would you do that? If you could channel it into something else, if you could be like, no, I'm going to channel this into a body of songs. I'm going to channel this into a book of poetry. I'm going to channel it into something and not that you then mm-hmm. have to live unartfully otherwise, but it's like, if you choose to, you can choose to be like, okay, I don't have to present like, I don't have to perform personhood in this way that drains my energy from the thing I'm trying to make. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I know that I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool. I'm very cool. Like I, I like, I think I'm very cool. And I think that I'm, you know, I, I whatever, I, but I don't care if anybody else thinks I'm cool and I don't need to, to work extra hard to be like, Oh, you think I'm cool. Don't you, you know? And I just, right. there was so much of that feeling of pressure being put on me when I'm in cities where it's like, oh like I don't look cool enough or like there's this feeling of like not just being able to accept people for who they are like there's always got to be like this glitter and glamour around it and um but yeah I put that all into my art like um and and whatever and whatever I guess do your best and forget the rest (laughs) (laughs) it's a a powerful place to put that like I was I was thinking about how and I do this now, like in our, I, I don't even want to say post pandemic because uh, that's a lie. There is still a pandemic. It is just um, in our, in our current state of being, um, I, I do my very favorite thing, uh, which is go to one of the fanciest coffee shops in West Hollywood looking like trash because people are very curious about the person who has shown up to the coffee shop looking like a goblin. It is so much <laughs> It is, it is a delight. Also, they have really good coffee, um, but it's like, <laughs> so I like- Is it squirrel? Oh my God, squirrel cracks. Did you read about all the like squirrel uh, controversy? No, oh my God, there's always controversy. I love, oh there's always controversy on that Fairfax strip. Oh my God, read about like the, <laughs> the, the squirrel jam. Uh, I don't, I, I'm like squirrel I was like, it's like Watergate, but for Squirrel Jam. Um, like, like, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> oh, oh my god! God bless, God bless you, West Hollywood. I used to live right off Fairfax, like that, right over there. So that was oh like my, it was my hunting ground. I so now that I'm like moving from my place because I sold it, I'm like, because uh, yeah, I it's like spoiler also like my my parents grew up in LA my mom grew up in this neighborhood my nana was here so when I moved back I was like oh why don't I you know move to somewhere that I'm familiar with and so I've lived in West Hollywood for quite a while um but the reason I sold my place is that now I've been like running my therapy practice my music studio podcasting all out of my uh one bedroom condo 
which is ill-advised. Um, oh man, uh, even just making noise in, in, in those spots, like, oh my God, it's hard. It's been, uh, it, it's been some next level. Um, and I love, I love the neighborhood for the sheer absurdity factor though. I think that's one thing that's kept me here for so long, aside from the familiarity, but just like, cause I, I walked to Alfred's on Melrose place, um, mm-hmm. where people are just rocking their like Gucci slides and like all this stuff. And my very favorite thing is to wear this old man sweater that I got from Goodwill, I think for two or three dollars that I wear as a dress because I'm barely five feet tall. Um, as one does, I, I'm with you, girl. I'm five feet as well. Yes, yes. <laughs> like I feel like we are like the tiny goblin crew. This is fantastic. Um, <laughs> I mean, everything is a dress if you if you put it on a five foot tall. Oh goblin. yeah. Oh yeah. I was just, I literally, I was like, everything's a dress if you try hard enough when you're five feet yeah. tall. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I'm glad that you have adopted this vibe as well. Cause people are like, what are you wearing? And I'm like, unsure, but very. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's <laughs> all that matters. <laughs> so yeah. Like rolling up wearing that and just like, if it's cold, I'll put on tights and maybe like a pair of like, you know, my vegan Birkenstocks or like, I'll just wear the most ridiculous things just because it's funny because everyone will go to this coffee shop wearing like clothes that are worth God knows how much so that they can be seen there doing that. And I just think it's the funniest thing. Um, and then everybody ends up looking at me, which I think is funny because then in a way it is a performance. It's like, I'm performing, not caring, but actually I'm relishing it because I think it's funny. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? Like you're like you wearing that is so much cooler than them wearing their Gucci slides that, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, and then it turns the tables and it automatically, it's like you become a mirror for their own like insecurities because your confidence in like you know, wearing, looking like a whatever, you know, like looking like that, like, yes. it just re- reminds them of their own, like, utter, like, insecurity, and so it's, like, it's, it's actively provocative, yes. and antagonistic, which I, <laughs> uh, you know, I highly, highly respect that move, and I, it's something that I try to do, too. <laughs> yes, I was just like, I look not even artfully messy, just yeah, yeah. Messy. <laughs> This isn't, I, I made a messy bun and it took me 30 minutes to get like the strands to fall out. Like exactly. It's yeah. like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> like, <this> is... <laughs> oh my God. That's so funny. Respect. It's like, oh man, we lived in walking distance from each other. My mom actually went to Fairfax High. So like, that's why. Oh like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's why I know. Uh, yeah. I used to live right around there. I would, I would haunt, haunt that, that uh, block. Yes. And, um, oh, yeah. The canter's so black good. and my cookies is the taste. The canter's black. Good. Yeah. I used to spend so much time at Cine Family before it also got canceled. Oh, Cine so good. Before we knew it was so bad. I know. It's just, you know, the, the problematic nature of Hollywood in general. I feel like, yeah, that, that does encapsulate just about everything here. Of Wow. It was so good before we knew it was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Vocals, I'm trombones. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, and yeah, even like 
I was thinking about what you said about like finding kind of finding your own voice when everything else quiets down and it looped back to what I was thinking when I was actually watching the video and listening to the music and I was like ah bookmark and brain Pam ask about production work and I'm like yes that's <laughs> your time <laughs> <laughs> like when when you're working are you doing like like do you have like a home studio I was like yeah how do how do all the sounds boop yeah uh, I have a, I have a home studio um, and that's where I wrote all the songs and so you most like 90% of the time I'll be in my studio and I'll produce a demo and then um, like vocals beat everything and mm-hmm. with with varying levels of finishedness um, and then I'll either take that to someone and be like can we just make this sound a little bit better? Can you just kind of mix my sounds? Or I'll be like, can you, can we just replace everything? But like, this is generally like where I was going with it, you know? Right. Um, so I really like, I, I produce, I, I, I produce like definitely. Um, and that's why it's sometimes weird to think about, just kind of coming across on the album as a singer because so much of the work that I do, even if it doesn't make it to the end of the song, like, or to the final version, there's so much production involved that I do on um, just by myself that um, that's just how I'm able to write songs because I'll mess around in Ableton. I'll come up with some weird loop or something and then I'll get inspired and go from there. So uh, production is like, yeah, definitely a huge, huge part but on my upcoming album Archon I uh I didn't end up keeping as much of my stuff as I think previous records because Randall Randall Dunn and I got together and we just made stuff that was so much better um so yeah that's that's that I love the studio <laughs> I feel like there was like jazz hands at the end and like that's the yeah <laughs> I feel like people perceive and that's why I do make a point to ask about production I feel like people perceive particularly female or non-binary artists as not being producers and so I always ask about it um because I I don't know if you had this experience but like I didn't hear a lot of people that were like me talking about music production when I was younger and so even when I did it I didn't realize that's what I was doing yeah 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 definitely yeah, I mean, you know, we're just we're just too stupid to know how to produce music, and you know, of course, okay. we gotta let the men do it. We need to. It's <laughs> just too hard them. for us. <laughs> too much work. Like, what? I'm I've got to put things into a grid. <laughs> Programming isn't that for boys? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. And especially like during this time when people have been able to have so much more agency over their own production work because it's so much more available. I'm just like, oh my God, why don't more people talk about this? And even like you said that it's like, because I'm very similar where it's like sometimes something that I've created sonically might not end up on the final product, but that doesn't mean that you didn't create the blueprint for it. And that didn't, you know, you create kind of like the vibe Mm -hmm. and the mood of the song. And so sometimes that that one sound you made might lead to then a sound that you're collaborating with another producer on, but that didn't mean that you didn't generate the sound. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, at the end of the day, 
my work is better when I collaborate with people. Um, but like my ego would prefer me to do everything myself. So then I could tell everybody, oh, no one touched a damn thing on this album. <laughs> but it's kind of like, okay, I've like really held on tight to my like authority in terms of like being able to say that I did it all. And it's like, good for me. I, you know, you did it good. But uh, it doesn't really mean anything if the song sucks, you know, <laughs> it's just like, cool, you did that. Well, it's mediocre. But, you know, you did do it all, so good for you. Um, so I'm learning to just, like, let go of that and be like, yeah, I'm just the singer. Sure, I'm just Sorry. the singer. I'm just here to look cute. Are you kidding me? <laughs> are you Are you me? <laughs> I've got to be here for a better reason. It's not just here. I'm not just here to look cute. <laughs> I feel like, at least in my case, I'm like, if that was my mission, I may have failed. Um, so yeah, exactly. I'm like, gotten someone much better for the job but okay <laughs> like that's like my whole like life performing femininity where it's like that people sometimes arbitrarily decide that I'm attractive and I'm like how funny that yeah yeah it's like, okay. <laughs> like caught me in a good light caught me in a good angle we can keep this up no oh we can't my God. no we can't it was there it went <laughs> 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 oh and that that ego of I like that you said that because in in my mind what popped in was like the phrase the Grimes dichotomy of like you want to do everything yourself to say you did everything yourself but at the same time collaboration is really powerful and so it's hard because you want to be like yes I I am competent to do all these things I understand how to do all these things but I feel similarly to you where it's like I've learned more about how to mix, but honestly, my songs sound better when other people mix them because I have like a trusted friend that I work with because he hears things in my songs that I'm not hearing. And he brings up things that I wouldn't hear and it makes my songs better. So like, ultimately, no, I want better songs. (laughs) Oh, definitely. And it's like, at the end of the day, you know, when, if you have a clear vision, artistic vision, and you do have a strong sense of authority in what you're doing and able to um, lead people or guide them to, you know, with collaboration and stuff like you can have a very collaborative record, but still feel like it's your vision at the end of the day. And I don't think we need to be patting ourselves on the back saying, Oh, I did it all myself. I did it all myself. It's like, cool. Like, okay. But at at the end of the day, are you making something that will withstand the test of time because you brought in experts in their own fields? Like I think about the new, the Kendrick Lamar record, mm-hmm. the new one, incredible, such a work of art. And you can tell there are people all over that record that there yeah. was, th- there was a community that built that record and that record will live for lifetimes. Like I swear to God, his music is so good because of the way that he collaborates with people. And it's, but it's so still uniquely him. And that's what a true, I think if you're a true auteur or a true visionary, Mm -hmm. you know how to communicate your vision so well that you'll get something better than you ever thought of. But it's, but that becomes from, that comes from the, the way that you guided the project. You know, it's like Kanye, like, earlier Kanye stuff like his his curation of collaborators was sometimes as important and vital to his work as you know his own ideas and sometimes that's really what shows uh, a great visionary artist yes 
Yes, I wholeheartedly agree because there's the image of like, not like the lone wolf, but like, yeah, the like, I, <laughs> oh, Pam brain. My brain was just like, like the Anne Rand. I did this all myself. Um, <laughs> I mean, that is very Anne Rand. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah um, it's very Randian though. It's very libertarian. It's a very libertarian mindset. Like, you know, the, the, the golden God who, you know, can, can fix the world and do it all on his own. He's got everything on his back, you know, like, yes. Um, it's, it's lonely and it's inaccurate and, um, it's not like it's humanity is a collective experience. And so to isolate yourself to the point where you're not participating in the collective by collaborating, I think that is a shame to just like the growth of the collective, you know? And yes, it takes individuals. It takes individuality to really push culture and the collective forward, but you have to bring other people in in order to really disseminate that, that power, you know, otherwise you're just kind of burning yourself out. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's kind of back to like the hermit and the star where it's like, you do have to kind of like retreat to that, to that quiet place to be like, okay, what's in here. Um, mm-hmm. but then you do have to come back out and shine with other people. Otherwise, like, what's the point of being like, cool, I discovered this. Yeah. 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 And I think too, like, <laughs> I mean, the capitalist reigns on the music industry have really, there's so many reasons why, you know, we're, we're really into like the soul artist, soul genius kind of um, paradigm. Um, It's economical, you know, um, soul artists are easier to control. um, And there's just so many reasons like that. And so like the power of like, the power of the multiple, the power of like the collective is um, it's uh, a threat to, I think, capitalism. And that's why capital wants to pit us against each other. Instead of working together, we want to like battle each other for this one spot. And that that's, that's all a lie. Like that's just an, an illusion built by, by our like contemporary framework. Yes. Especially people who, you know, probably actually would collaborate together and would collectivize like how it's like oh there can only be like the one female artist or oh this is the spot for the lgbtq plus artist and it's like the one of those as opposed to being yeah. like i don't what what <laughs> like yeah like i remember when i started making like when conatus came out around 2011 there were people that were like pitting me up against other musicians or like my peers at the time and they were like they were like um tallying votes about who was like the better one based on their own weird subjective criteria and I'm just like really so like you're actually like celebrity death matching to like young women who are just both passionate about music and trying to like live their dreams but you're deciding that only one of them can like win like it's just it's such it's such a demented mindset to enter into and we can't just, we can't be entertaining that anymore because it's, it's really damaging to culture and to people, I agree. everybody. Like, it separates us. From, it, like, it's funny that you say that because I remember there was a review actually of my best friend that I was telling you about earlier. Like her music was compared to yours in an article like ages ago, simply because you both have long, dark hair. Uh, yeah, they love to do that music, shit. And I'm just like, <laughs> Like, I don't know if you've heard her stuff, her band's uh, Nostalgia. And like, 
you were both performing around LA at the same time. And there was like, I remember reading a review of her show that it was like, oh, much like, oh, it is more blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, they don't actually sound anything alike. You're both amazing. You just happen to not sound alike. Uh, yeah. And it's so annoying because I, <laughs> I hate that shit because then it also creates a lot of animosity between, you know, a lot of really strong, amazing women because they feel like they've been forced into this like arena, this cage match with this other artist that they don't even know. And you're just what? like, cool. So you're what you're expecting me to have to compete with this person. These comparisons, like it's all just it's it's really damaging. I, I, I it really is like even even that friendship like she and I talked about that you know being in LA and being artists it's hard to form those friendships because you're pitted against each other like we were talking about (laughs) how no one it it was actually funny that no one pitted us against each other because she's like oh it's because (laughs) it's because you look different than I do like we're both female but you look different yeah yeah. it's like the ones that she was like pitted against were like you and like Chelsea Wolf because they look like her Mm-hmm. Um, and then like she and I were talking about how, how bizarre that is, that it's like, she and I, you know, had to kind of like, kind of really get to know each other and develop that trust because we were like, we're in a situation where people are trying to actually stop people like us from being friends. And that is deranged. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, is- it is. And it's true. It's like, they want us to be competitive. They, they, you know, and it's like, it's a, it's a real shame because, you know, we're all, all of the the women making music right now, they love music. So they all probably grew up loving music, passionate about it. And maybe they make dark music, which means they probably have something else in common, which is like a deep propensity for melancholy. Like how awesome is it that there are these women that exist that are melancholic and musical, but we can't come together and be like, oh, you're sad. I'm sad too. Oh, you like music? I like music too. Let's be friends. We have to be like, she will die. Like, I will conquer them all. Like, <laughs> there can only be one sad girl making music, and it's going to be me. I just like the saddest. <laughs> yeah. But then it may, it sucks too, because I'm like, I want to be like going up to these girls and be like, do you want to be my friend? And they're like, I'm supposed to hate you or whatever. Right? And I'm like, okay, cool. <gasps> like, okay. Yes, it's awesome. It's so weird. It's so weird. That's what she and I were talking about because we became friends in like, oh gosh, I think that was either 2012 or 13 or 11. It was somewhere around there that like I opened for her and we became really good friends because of that. But like, even upon like first meeting each other, I remember I said to her, I was just like, she, she is rather tall and I'm rather small. So the first thing I actually said to my best friend was, wow, you're like a tree. <laughs> Cause like, she <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like a, like a graceful tree come to life. And she was like, you're a pixie. Um, Aww. it was really funny. I was just like, oh my God, this person's so wonderful. Um, but I remember feeling that, that moment of like, wait, are we allowed to like each other? Cause yeah, it was like, we're supposed to not be friends. And then like, we have this hypothesis that it's like, they keep us away from each other because if we actually all were friends, like we would overpower them because we're all very powerful. (laughs) Totally. No, no. I think that's a huge part of it. And I think it's, I mean, it's also misogyny where, you know, they, I I feel like the, like the overarching patriarchal uh, systems don't want women to, to collectivize because that would, that's just dangerous so it's easier to kind of pit them against each other um in really like primal like ways than um than actually like 
fostering any sort of connection. Um, And so, you know, that's tired, tired of that too, over it, ready to move on to something different. I just realized I was like, wait, we all have like basically are like witch kibbutzes in the woods. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. I mean, that's the future and the past. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. I was, I, I just made tiny plotting hands. I was like, I think we're onto something. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I want to know what comes next. I want to know how we, how we kind of collectivize more because I, I want a future and a present that's different than, than what we've both experienced, which sounds like being ostracized from our peers that like we actually wanted to be friends with. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to have to take rejecting capital as the main source of the main source of reward. And um, by doing that, you also have to like reject the over the the narratives that like the industry is is forcing down your throat like all hours of the day, because this can't nothing can happen. Nothing can thrive within the vacuum of like the oppressive environment that we're in that's that's actively doing this by pushing us all apart and telling us to like you know fight to our death or whatever but you know that'll stick to huge leap of faith because then you're turning your back on the one thing that has structure to it and having to face something very structureless and face the unknown is like super scary but I think the more people we get on board we got to start petitioning for a kibbutz in the woods and get this moving because it's just going to take a lot of people just going like, I'm over this all at once. And collectivizing really is really, and it's not what they want from us. So it's going to be hard. I was like, okay, well you have, uh, you have this Jewish gremlin on board. <laughs> perfect like, perfect <laughs> I was like okay so if if you sit on my shoulders we'll be as tall as my best friend Cassandra and she's gonna join too um perfect. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I love that I love having I have a tall friend a uh, tall friend too and it's so funny like DJing with her or like hanging out with her because she's like six feet tall and I'm five feet tall and she wears like these massive heels and I don't wear any heels and I just feel like I'm her daughter I'm just like, God damn, I can't, I, I don't feel like a woman next to you. I feel like a small child. <laughs> oh my God. Same with me. And by the way, tall women who wear heels are like literally my heroes. Like I love my best friend does wear like, even at home, she loves wearing these like high heeled, like mules. Like it's, she's very glam. And I love that she, as she put it, she's just like, she's like, I think everyone walks in my house and knows that I'm Persian. And I was just like, well, yes. And that's a good thing. Um, yeah. like, <laughs> like her, her lounging shoes are like four inch heels. Um, I was like, I love it so much. Um, and so, yeah, when we go out together, like we went to get, she, she wanted to take me to get a manicure. Cause she always has like well manicured nails and I'm, uh, me, and so like, it was the funniest thing. We took a photo and it literally looks like a child's hand, like next to like her mom's <laughs> hand. <laughs> like... oh, it's a hustle. It's a hustle. Oh my God. I love it. I love it so much. Like she definitely, she's the one that's always just like showing me like different makeup things. Like she'll, she'll literally put makeup on me and take photos. And I, I love it so much, but I do feel. Oh, you're like her little American girl doll. Yes. (laughs) 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 
I'm like glamour magic that just like bypassed me entirely. So I'm just like, do it, do everything, whatever you want. I'm here. (laughs) I love it. Oh my God. Oh man. I was like, let's, let's build this future because that I've been thinking about this a lot while talking to people and, you know, basically doing this pod, therapizing, musicking, all the things that I'm like, what do we build that comes next? Because we've clearly proven that like what we have does not work. Like that is like kind of incontrovertible, but it's like, I do want to build what's coming next. Like I was like, that, that's what happens after the tower falls down. You, you build something else. Um, definitely. And me too. Sign me up. I was like, I can't handle this anymore. This is it's, uh, what did I say early on in this? I was just like, this is banana pants. And my friends now say that too. And I'm like, I'm so sorry that I've cursed you with the most ridiculous word today. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sometimes just there's few words can explain such a horror that we're, uh, we're enduring as banana pants. (laughs) (laughs) I think about how, you know, through the cycles of the eons, people have all thought that they were living through the apocalypse, but I'm like, were they saying it was banana pants? I think not. Yeah, this is a new level. This is a banana. This is level banana pants. <laughs> I just thought of like, like the terrorism chart. And it's like, no, it's off the chart. It's banana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Well, cheers to that. I was like, let's, let's create new things. In the meantime, I'm like, I am so grateful for you dedicating the time to this conversation. It's been fantastic getting to hang out with you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. It was very, very chill. Lots of laughs. Excellent. Love to laugh. (laughs) Thank you so much. Got a good (laughs) love to complain. Got a good, got some complaints in as well. Yes. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.